Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to the Bibliophile Hour. I am your host slash cousin, Erica the Bibliophile, and we are here for part six of the Thug series by Wahida Clark, as well as day 12 of Read a Book, Record a Podcast. Let's jump into the book. Kira memory is starting to come back. She's getting flashes of what happened that night in the car when she got shot and she realizes that Marvin left her and you know she doesn't know how to feel about that because it's just like I'm in this situation because of you I get shot in the head and you basically left me for dead you left my son for dead Erica and Caitlin comes to Trey's apartment you know after the whole situation of him slicing up uh, Karan. And Caitlin tells him that he fucked up big time. Karan is not even dead. He's just in critical condition. And they have him on camera. You know, they can't see his face, but you know, somebody wearing all black walking through a hospital, somebody's going to notice that. And the police brought Caitlin in for questioning because he was the last one, well, one of the last people to leave the hospital. So they need to know if he knows anything. Is he the one that did it? Which, of course, he didn't because if they're on camera, then there's camera of him getting on the elevator and leaving. Jazz has a layover in New Jersey because, okay, and this is where I kind of got confused rereading these books because it's a, we're doing like a flashback present situation trying to get it all caught up so in the last book before everything even went down with Fahim and the guy Steel and all that type of stuff he asked Jazz to take their daughter uh Kira to New York you know he just needs her out of the way while this drama is going on and she agreed so now we're getting what happened when she left so she had a layover in New Jersey on her way to Cal oh not New York she was supposed to go to California with Tasha and stay with them. Sorry. Um, but she had a layover in New Jersey for six hours. So she goes to her granny's house, you know, just to check on her, see how she's doing. And it's obvious that none of the other family members have been looking after her. The place is dusty. You know, like it's clean. It's organized. Well, not clean. It's organized. So it's like there's nothing out of place, but it's just dusty and you can barely breathe in there. And it's like the granny has on a dingy house coat and her house shoes are all torn up. So it's just real obvious that nobody is coming by to check on her and see how she's doing to help her out. Nothing. And that makes me mad because for someone who works in a retirement home and sees how, you know, they basically just leave these people, the elderly people, they just leave them there like they can be sitting in piss or sitting in shit. And it's just like, okay, you're an aide. Help them out. Change their clothes. Don't just leave them there like that. Like, I get so annoyed and upset because it's just like you wouldn't want nobody to do your family members like that or even do you like that. Say if something happened to you and you were still young, it's just like it's your job to care for people, help them out. And then also her family like this is your granny. I don't get why we just throw our elderly away now because they're old. Like, they work to get there, help them out. 
Um, so Jazz cleans up the house and, you know, she tells her granny, I'm going to help you take a shower. You got brand new house coats and house shoes in here. Let's, you know, throw this old stuff away and get you cleaned up. And her granny, you know, typical black granny, I don't need none of that. You know, I'm fine. Don't come over here fussing now. And it's just like, lady, this is disgusting. Of course, you don't tell your granny that, but it's just like, this is disgusting. And Kira points out that her granny has an open wound the size of a golf ball on her leg. So Jazz has to take her to the hospital. And at first her granny was like, no, I'm just fine. She's like, no, your leg is infected. We're going to the hospital. And while she's there, she gets a call from Fahim's cousin. And Fahim wants her to come home now and of course she's trying to ask all these questions and the cousin is like man get off my phone and just get home you will find out more if you will quit wasting time and so back at that club that they met at Fahim tells everybody else to leave because you know they're like the same situation with Marvin it's like come on man we got to get out of here we got to go and he's like you know I'm not leaving my son. Y'all go ahead. I know what to tell them. Y'all get out of here. And they took all the guns, you know, so nobody fingerprints or anything would be there with the guns. So he's just there with the bodies. And the police are pinning him as the perp because, you know, there are three dead bodies and he was shot and he didn't leave. So it's just like, okay, obviously you did this. And when you got shot, you couldn't leave. So you did it. And it's like, that's y'all logic. That's the best y'all could come up with. And, you know, for him, he was trying not to go off that whole time, but he couldn't help it. And he acts a fool when they wouldn't let him go over to little for him. Cause he's like, you know, man, that's my son. I'm going to go by him. And then the cop who's in Ani's family shows up and then when he sees that his uncle is dead and then so is little Fahim, he tries to attack Fahim, but, you know, the other cops pull him away. And they get into a fight, and then he gets into a fight with a cop. And, you know, he's punching him. He done slammed him down on the ground just to channel some of that pain, you know, getting it out. And, of course, the other officers jump on him. So he wakes up in the hospital. He has a broken leg. And one of his arms is in a cast. And he's handcuffed, like the other arm that's not in the cast is handcuffed to the bed. And when Jazz shows up, she offers to take care of Oni and her family. You know, she's like, let me do this. She deserve it. I can do it, babe. I'm good. You know, just acting like she hard and she ain't. And he he ain't going for it. He's just like, man, if you don't sit down somewhere, you was not about this life. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it, you know, when I get back on my feet. Trey and Tasha are trying to rekindle what made them fall for each other because, you know, they're just trying to get their relationship back on track. So it's just like, let's uh do this little romantic getaway. And Trey gifts her with a new ring. He's like, you know, I love you. And I'm promising myself to you all over again. And I actually want to read a little part of that. So let me, I should have been more prepared. <laughs> so he says, 
Tasha, I know we've been through a lot of shit, but tonight I need for us to put all of the mistakes, drama, hurt, and pain behind us and start over. Right here, right now. Today, I recommit myself to you, to our family, and to our bond. Baby, you know damn well there is no me without you. I don't just want you in my life. I need you in my life. And you will always be a part of me. I don't want nobody or nothing to come between us ever again. I don't want you to ever again regret that you fucked with me. <laughs> I want to thank you for giving me three strong sons that I get so much pleasure from. Again, I am asking you to allow me to honest, cherish, and love you for the rest of my life. And it's just like, oh, these are such sweet words. But they're so full of shit. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Because it's just like, you look back over all the things that this relationship has been through. And of course, every day ain't going to be sunny skies. But it's just like, the shit they went through is some shit. And they are hanging on by a thread and trying to make the best of it. So I guess kudos for that. And she tells him, you know, Trey, I never stopped loving you and I never will, which is not true because what was that book four when she said you used to make me so happy and, you know, like I feel myself falling out of love. So it's just like, that's not true. You did stop loving him at one point, but you know, whatever. And she says, from this moment forward, I promise to honor you, respect you and love you for the rest of my life. And it's just like, okay, so they little weekend getaway is good. But during that time, Mari, who is Karan's girlfriend, fiance, whatever she's supposed to be. She calls Tasha and says, your husband stabbed Karan and the streets are looking for justice. But I'm going to turn him over to the law. And it's just like, girl, first of all, how did you get my number to call my phone? You know, to call me and tell me this. And then she basically says, you know, is your husband right there? Can I talk to him? She's like, no, you cannot. Like, girl, what is you talking about? KDK shows up and, you know, at first they're stunned, but Trey greets him with open arms. He's like, I can't believe this. You know, I saw your body. I cried over your dead body in your casket. But... I guess after that last case, the government gave him a fake funeral and he has a new identity. He's also no longer married to his wife or his ex-wife, I should say. And he now has a pregnant girlfriend slash fiance because they go back and forth with the titles who looks like Kira. And he tells them about finding Kira on their porch. So, of course, you know, Tasha, her normal dramatic self, oh, my God, stop playing. You think this is a joke? That ain't funny. You know, well, if you find her on a porch, where is she now? And he's like, you know, if you calm down a little bit and get your neck back on your, you know, get your neck straight, I could tell you. But she's back in the hospital because she blacked out and she is having severe headaches. And he also tells them about her amnesia. So it's just like she doesn't remember a lot. So don't just rush up to her expecting to ask her a bunch of questions because she doesn't remember anything. But she does remember her daughter. And when they are reunited, you know, they're hugging each other. And Aisha tells her mom, I'm sorry for leaving you, mommy. And it was like, oh, little tearjerker. 
Cause it's just like, what? How old is this baby? Like five, I think, or something like that. And it's like, of course she was down on the floor, so she didn't see everything, but she heard it. And then when they pulled her up, I'm sure she saw she saw her mom with the blood on her head, and it's just like she's not moving. And it's like, what can a five year old do? And to have that guilt on her shoulders, it's just like, wow. Karan is home from the hospital. He had to have plastic surgery. So now there's a deep scar that goes across his throat. And he's wearing bandages right now. But he's wearing it like as a badge of honor. Like, yeah, you tried to kill me, but you didn't really kill me. And while he was in the hospital, he... Or, well, not in the hospital, but before... I guess he wrote Tasha a letter. And she responded. And it's just like, at this point... There's computers. Y'all couldn't send each other emails or just not talk to each other, period. Because even on Tasha's end, it's like, okay, he sent you a letter, but you did not have to respond. You should not have responded. But um, he has to get all these people out of his house because since he got out the hospital, his family has been over there. His mom has been over there. But when he finally gets them all to leave, he sits down to read this letter. And I am going to read the whole thing. It's, it's, it's a lie. Quran, Quran, Quran. First of all, nigga, you bitch me. Here it is. You over there recovering from a life-threatening energy. And the first bitch you holla at is me? You talking all that shit about jags and money and connections. Who the fuck you trying to convince that you the shit? Me or yourself? Talking about you love me and you hate me. What kind of fag shit is that? You wish you hated me. You don't know who you fucking with, so you better check my resume. I will bet anything that your dick is hard right now is you read and anticipate my next line. My nigga, why you can't just accept it? You were something to do for me. Simply a revenge fuck. I owe you some payback pussy on my terms. And you got pussy whipped and fell in love. That's why you laying over there crying and shit. And you have the audacity to call me a hoe? Fuck out of here with that bullshit. You don't even know how you mustered up the energy to call me a hoe. No, nigga. I ain't your hoe. You're my bitch. Shit, gonna call me a walking billboard. If I am that, you best to believe it, re <laughs> it reads, Quran is a fucking sucker. I recall you saying three important things. Number one, you went out. Two, you made my money. And three, you kept me fly, then gave me the dick if and when I decided I wanted it. But then I fucked you so good, you thought I was going to take you to the top of the world and have you begging. Marry me, Tasha. Be mine, Tasha. I had your punk ass pulling out rings and shit. So that sounds like you the hoe. Nigga, I pimped your ass real good. Had you trained well. And even after you got that ass whooped, you still brought mama her money. Yeah, I rode your dick. Good enough to make you lick where another nigga slides his dick in. How does Trey come taste? Is it, is it as good to you as it is to me? And then you brag about a bitch serving her purpose. No, nigga, you served your purpose. I wasn't even fucking you when you was coming off stacks and scheming on a way to steal me from Trey. And you're boasting about a jag? You a low-budget-ass nigga if you think a jag gets you a come-up. Them fake-ass so-called loyal niggas you got on your team are laughing in your face because they got a bitch for a boss. Or should I say a broke-ass co-worker? Bitch-ass sitting here whining about a car page after page. Nigga, please. I bought Cherry a fucking Maybach. 
or Maybach, however you say it. And you obviously forgot that I told you I have a spider C8 Eliron. I don't excuse me for reading because I don't know these words. Uh, I don't know nothing about cars. Sitting in the garage that I don't even drive. That Jag was like a punch buggy compared to my shit. That's why Trey busted the shit up. You think your money is long? Get the fuck out of here. Your money is as long as your dick. And that ain't long enough. Since we keeping score, let me hoe check your ass real quick. You call me a hoe. But I'm the same bitch that had you turn your back on your family. It was me, Tasha. The same bitch who had you eating pussy and it wasn't about you making me come, nigga. I'm married to Trey Macklin. My pussy is trained well. And yes, I'm the same bitch that turned you into a marked fucking man. So watch your back, bitch ass nigga. You do the math. Calculate that shit. Tasha, 10. Karan, 0. You ask yourself, are you insane? Hell nah. You in love. And I can't fault a nigga for that. You just like every other nigga that gets the pleasure of Tasha. You sprung the fuck out. The proof is in this long, in that long ass letter going on and on about what you lost and what you wish you still had. Gonna write me a punk ass letter. I can't get over this shit. What? You ain't got shit else to do? By the way, where your bitch at? You had a so-called bad bitch who held you down the whole time you was doing your bid. But as soon as you fell into this boss pussy, you forgot all about that bitch. I had you moaning and groaning my name, Tasha, while thinking... Mari who? Oh, and I didn't kill you, see. The little motherfucker committed suicide when it realized it, wa it wasn't the child of a real boss. So fuck you and die, motherfucker. The boss, bitch. Tasha Macklin forever. P.S. Don't contact me no more, bitch. And it's just like, y'all both doing the same thing to each other. And what is these long-ass letters? Because Tasha, why are you talking about him writing you a letter since you wrote the same letter? And it's like, you talking about size and stuff, but you was so moaning and groaning when it was inside of you talking about it was so big and you enjoyed it, whatever, whatever. And it's just like, y'all just stop talking to each other. Every time he contact you, you do not have to respond. So that's halfway part of her trouble because it's just like every time he say something to you, you don't have to respond. It don't matter. Just let the nigga say whatever he want to say. You live in California. He live in New York. It's done with. But that thing about the baby, though, that was messed up. I was like, damn, not the baby committed suicide. You know your husband killed that baby up out of you. And that wasn't right. And that's why I said their relationship is so toxic. Like, ain't no way you're going to feed me breakfast and then I lose this baby. And we're just supposed to go on about ourselves. And now they done recommitted themselves to each other. And it's just going on with life as usual. So he calls Trina and gets her or tells her to get Tasha to meet with him. But she refuses. She's like, you know, my sister is barely talking to me now from all the other times. And, you know, Trey don't like me no more. So it's just like, no, I'm out. I'm done getting in the middle of y'all mess. Leave me alone. So he says, that's your final answer. And she's like, yeah, I'm done. Leave me alone. He's like, I right, bet. So him and Kendrick get. Uh, Tasha and Trina's brothers, Kevin's location. I know that's a lot. Um, and they call Trina on, and he puts her on speakerphone, and he cuts off Kevin's ear, and asks her, "Are you still going with that same answer?" And of course, she changes her mind, like you know, leave my brother alone. Okay, okay, I'll do it. 
Tasha calls Angel and Jazz to let them know that Kira is alive and automatically Angel like goes off on her. She's like, stop playing. That ain't funny. You know, like, why would you say something like that? And once again, this is why I feel like their friendship isn't as solid as it's, you know, tried to be portrayed as. Because it's just like, y'all spend more time fighting and hiding shit from each other than real friends do. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I ain't saying they ain't friends, but they ain't as close as they try to make themselves appear. And I'm still not getting how Angel is trying to put off Kira on Tasha as if she's her responsibility. I'm like, yeah, y'all are friends, but that's your cousin. So if anything, you should be the main one looking after her. But, you know, since you got your own life, that's somebody else's responsibility. Well, you see all the shit Tasha got going on. She ain't got time to be watching your cousin. But they're on the first flights to California because, you know, they have to see her and make sure it's true. And although Kira doesn't know Marvin is dead, she's really not worried about him. She hasn't asked where he is or anything like that. She's more worried with DKD. She has developed strong feelings for him. And he tells her that he's going back to his fiance. Because I think she feels like now that she's back, they can pick up the little budding romance that they had before all this other stuff happened. But, you know, he thought she was dead. So it's just like, I moved on, sweetheart. And she tells him that she wants to, you know, have sex before he does. So if you're going to leave me, let's make this last time count. And But it's outside on the porch. And while they're having sex on the porch, Nina, who is his pregnant fiance, pulls up. So she sees them having sex. And it's just like, that's messed up. But Nina is from other books that Wahida has wrote. And it ties in to how Nina and DKD met. So if you want to read that, then you... uh. You know, you'll see how it all ties in together, but I really don't care because it's just like I'm not reading other series to see how this series ties into it. But, um, you know, she smacks Kira and she flips over the banister. And of course, uh, you know, everybody was watching from the insides trying to see what's going on. And so Angel and Jazz come outside and they jump on Nina. I'm like, damn, how y'all jump a pregnant lady? But. Also, it's just like, if you pregnant and you start fighting, you don't care about your baby either. I don't want to hear that. Oh, she's pregnant. She swung first. She don't get the swing just because she's pregnant. She better think about that baby. That, that ain't my damn baby. I don't care. And so, Trey and DKD have to break them apart. And they send Angel and Jazz and Tasha back into the house. And Well, Trey does. And he's basically like, you know, let them deal with that themselves. And DKD sends Nina home. So Kira thinks that she won. I'm like, I really don't know what you winning, but, you know, thinking he's going to stay with her. But the next morning, he's gone. Like, all the stuff that he had in her room is packed up, and he's nowhere to be found. Trina puts Tasha on three-way with Karan. And he wants to see her. Basically, you know, like, you know, what's up with you? Come see me. And she's like, no. Like, why do you keep 
contacted me. Leave me alone. I done told you. I don't want nothing to do with you. And then she tells uh, Trina, stop doing these three-way calls. Quit letting him punk you like that and just say no. And I'm just like, uh, sis, do you remember the first time she tried to say no? He cut your brother's ear off. And speaking of, Karan says, all right, then I guess your brother doesn't mean shit to you. But I got something that will have your undivided attention. And she's like blowing it off and she hangs up on him. But after the phone call, she's shaking and like real shook. And Trey comes in to talk to her and she's like rude with him. Like, what, Trey? And he's like, what is wrong with you? And she tells, you know, like I was just on the phone with Trina and she's upset with how our relationship is going. And it just threw me off. And he like, Trina got you shaking like that? And she says, yeah. But he takes her phone to check that she was really on the phone with Trina. And he's like, you know what? She's trouble. Don't talk to her no more. Don't contact her no more. She already wasn't welcome to the house anyway. But, you know, she's definitely not coming over now. And as they're talking, there's knocking and ringing of the doorbell. It's the police. They have an arrest warrant for trey you know for the attempted murder of karan and of course tasha acting a fool hooping and hooping and hollering doing all this crying and it's just like girl at this point you should be more prepared i ain't gonna say used to it but be more prepared you should be able to handle this better by now not break down every time the police show up and Oni is in Fahim's hospital room telling him that she had a funeral for little Fahim. And of course this pisses him off because he's like, you couldn't wait for me to get out the hospital to do that? You know, like I didn't get to see my son being laid to rest. And she's like, what was I supposed to do? Wait? Yes, you dummy. Like that's my son too. You, They can hold his body. And, you know, as she leaves and he cusses her out and kicks her out, Jazz once again brings up killing her. And Fahim basically laughs her off, you know, telling her to stay in her place. You're not no thug, so just let it go. You are not a thug, and I'm not going to allow you to do this, so don't bring it up to me no more. Tasha finds Kira outside of the supermarket one day preaching. And it's like she's holding up the Bible, reading verses from the Bible, and Tasha gets out and asks her, girl, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm trying to uh, get these sinners to turn their life around and come back to Jesus. And it's so weird because even when she first came back and they was talking to her, Tasha noticed that she has this switch that she does. She goes from talking about the Bible, almost seeming holier than thou, and then she'll switch back to her regular self, calling people bitches and cussing and all that type of stuff. So it's just like, did the gunshot switch something in her? And does she now have two personalities? You know, what is going on? And someone keeps calling their house back to back. You know, as soon as the phone stops ringing, it starts ringing again. And Tasha notices that Trey isn't picking up the phone, even though he's at home. So she picks it up. And it's Charlie. Like, can you tell him that we have a meeting and can I speak to him? And But Tasha just hangs up on her. She's like, you know, I ain't got time for this and I ain't got time for Trey either. Because it's just like how you keep swearing that you don't have no contact with her. You're not messing with her. But she's steady calling this house back to back to back. What's up with that?
So Aunt Marva and Kira wake Tasha up one night, telling her that someone is walking around their house. And when Tasha goes to see who it is, she sees that it's an Asian man. And she tells them to call the police while she go gets a gun because she plans on shooting them. And it'll be self-defense, so they can't do anything to them. But then they hear a fizzle, then flames start to rise. And Tasha screams out, fire! And, you know, like, they rush to get everyone out of the house, grab all the kids. And the next door neighbor tells them, you know, they can stay here. You know, all of you guys come inside. But Tasha has to stay outside, you know, to talk to the police, to talk to, um, what are they called? The firemen. <laughs> and she also calls Trey to tell him, um about the fire and about charlie like he she knows that charlie did it and he's like what is she why would she do something like that and it's just like why would she not because the person was of asian descent and it's only us in the house of course she wouldn't do it to you and i'm pretty sure that she knows that you're not here so yeah your bitch tried to set us on fire but he just doesn't believe it so she hangs up on him like you know what i ain't got time me and the kids going to a hotel that's the end of it but in fact, Charlie did have something to do with it. That was a worker of hers and her father's that she sent to blow them up. But just Tasha and the kids, not anybody else. Literally only Tasha and their three kids. And she actually told the man to blow up Tasha and the kids in a car, not in the house. And the man, like, he tried to get smart for him. And he said, no, no, no. You told me that I could do it my way. Just make sure that it was them that was blown up. And he tried to blow up the house with C4s. And it's just like, how dumb can you be? Those can be traced back to somebody. And he's like, no, I got it. You know, don't worry about it. And he's supposed to be an expert on these type of things. So she's even more upset about that. Like... How any other time you succeed, but this this the time you want to fuck up. And they were defective, like the C4s anyway, because otherwise the house would have blown up, but it didn't. So, you know, God is on their side in this situation. Charlie goes to her father telling him, you know, I have a proposal for you and I think you're going to like it. And she wants Trey to come into their operation to be groomed. She's like, you know, you can teach him everything he needs to know, build him up to be a boss, and then he can be somebody that is good enough for your daughter. Because I guess her dad wants her to marry royalty. And it's like, what dad doesn't think that way of his daughter? But, you know, um... And Papa Charles, like, he is so disappointed. He's like, girl, what? Why would I have him come into my business? He's beneath you. And he's already married. You talking about grooming him and him being somebody that is finally good enough for your daughter. And it's like, he's he got a family already. He got a wife. So what are you talking about? But she won't let it go. And, you know, she's just like, he'll be good for the situation, for the company or build, whatever you want to call it, empire. And he tells her that her 
judgment is cloudy, like you're not thinking straight, and I don't want to hear no more about this. And he also knows about her trying to get that guy to blow up Tasha and her kids. So it's just like, why would I trust you about bringing him in? You're doing this for selfish reasons. You don't even really know if he's a good fit. Like, girl, get out of my face with this. But one night while Trey is walking, Papa Charles pulls up on him in a limo and offers him a deal. And Trey tells him that he'll think about it. And he turns and calls Caitlyn because, you know, that's his partner. If he going to do this, he got to have his brother with him. And Caitlyn is hesitant. He's like, man, no. First of all, did you forget that we got uh, the Dons, Don Carlos and all them other, you know, like we dealing with the Mexican mafia. And just because you over there with the Chinese mob and mafia, like, no, why are you trying to mix it two? And he's very hesitant, but, you know, he going to have his brother back. He can't have him out there by himself. Kira just pops up in Arizona on DKD and tells him, you know, you have to make a choice and, you know, just tell her that you're in love with me and let that be that. And we can pack up your stuff and we can leave right now. And it's just like, what? Girl, no. And, you know, when Tasha finds out that she just randomly left and they ain't seen her in two days, she's thinking about getting her admitted. And everybody looking at Tasha like she crazy. And I'm just like, do y'all don't see the problem with this? And I'm like, see, that is problem with black people. Well, not just black people, with people, period, and their family members. It's like, if you see something not right with this person, get them help instead of just trying to keep them in the house and keep an eye on them like with all the drama that's going on in everybody's life ain't nobody got time to keep a short lease on Kira and like Tasha reminds her like excuse me you do have a daughter that you uh have to take care of you just leaving her with us because we took care of her while you was gone don't make no sense it's just like you should have told somebody you was leaving anything could have happened and we ain't got no information on you and it's just like, I, I get it. Like, she needs help. She should have been checked in a long time ago because it's just like, girl, I'm not your babysitter. So, Oni uh, digs up little Fahim, you know, so Fahim can lay him to rest. And Fahim, like, he's just not right. Which, of course, would you be a son that you just met, what, weeks, maybe a month or two ago is now dead? And you was there to see it. It ain't just like he's dead and you don't know nothing about the situation. You watched it go down. So, of course, he's not in his right mind. So, Jazz calls Snail, who is Fahim's cousin, to kill Steel. And, you know, he carries it out. And when Fahim finds out, he is pissed. He tells her, I told you I wanted to handle this situation myself, Jazz. Why are you so gung-ho about getting your hands dirty? And then you didn't even do it. You had somebody else do it. But Jazz is determined to show that she's a quote-unquote thug. And Fahim has to keep reminding you're not a thug. Like, you didn't do it yourself. You're not in the trenches. Sit your ass down somewhere. DKD makes a trip to California just randomly popping up. When Trey is having a fight watch party... Trina is even invited, you know, so they say he must have been feeling good. So he's been working with Papa Charles, so he making real good money. So I bet you he is feeling good because Papa Charles told him, you know, 
All the money that you've had saved up and all you made, that's chump change. You can make $20 million in three years for working for me. And he's been, you know, like he's been working for him. So money's been coming in real good. Trina brought a date. A guy named Jameer, like they just started dating. And while Tasha is sitting outside because Charlie is calling again. So she just takes a breather and goes outside she sees that he has two pit bulls in his truck and but they're you know locked up and it just gives her like a thought and dkd tells kira to let him handle his situation in his own way and kira tells him well you better figure out something because you're going to be a daddy again and he tries to tell her you know this isn't the right time no and it's just like why? Because you got a girl pregnant? That has nothing to do with me. Well, you should have watched what you was doing. You didn't watch what you was doing and you didn't wrap it up. So, boom, I'm pregnant. And Charlie is still calling their house, telling Trey that they need to meet up. And when Tasha hangs up on her again, there's a knock at the door. She even delivers a note saying that they need to meet and that her dad approved it so you know call him and ask him if you want and all this time like a few days trey had been calling papa charles like you know why am i meeting with her i i wasn't supposed to have no contact with her i ain't supposed to be talking to her so why am i meeting with her but he wasn't answering his phone he was out of the country and so he agrees to the meeting and when she shows up to the meeting she is attacked by two pit bulls Hmm. and you know the whole time trey is on the inside he's just looking around like she ain't showed up so i'm about to leave and when he gets outside he sees what's going on and he figures out that charlie was the one that was attacked so he has to once again try to call papa charles and tell him about the attack and papa charles tells him I thought I told you, you were not to have any contact with my daughter whatsoever. So basically her attack is his fault because she was on her way to meet him and that their business is over and Trey is no longer under his protection. And, you know, he's pissed because he's like, how am I in trouble when I've been trying to call you and ask why am I meeting with her? Because she keeps contacting me. It's just like, so your daughter gets to be batshit crazy and it's my fault? But that's how he doing it. And, you know, Tasha lets it slip that she orchestrated the whole thing. So Trey is like, you know, so what if they get those dogs and trace it back to him? And what you think they're going to do to him? So what you think he going to tell them? Like, that's going to come right back to us. He's like, once again, I got to clean up your mess because you letting your emotions get the best of you. Which is true, because it's like, she did not think that all the way through. She just thought she was getting a one-up. So it's just like, when these women call themselves trying to get their thug on, you're not doing it right. And it's just so frustrating, because it's just like, you didn't even know Jameer. Like, you literally met him through your sister, because your sister brought him over to watch the fight. And you got him involved in some mess, thinking you did something. Ever been listening to your favorite podcast and think, hey, I want to start my own? Then you need Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. 
Let me explain. First, everyone's favorite word, free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So Trey tells her that he's going to kill Jameer and get rid of them dogs. And she's like, no. He's like, girl, yes. What the fuck is you talking about? The police take Fahim in for questioning because Oni's been murdered. And Jazz is freaking out. She calls Kaylin and Angel to come down to Atlanta. And, you know, when they get there, she's telling the story how she had one person kill Steel and then she had another person kill Oni. So, of course, Fahim is coming home because he didn't have anything to do with it. But she's just scared and she doesn't want to be in the house alone by herself when he comes home. And... Angel is kind of looking at her funny and she's like, girl, you killed somebody too. So don't even look at me like that. And it's actually different because it's like Angel, she actually killed somebody. It resulted in the death of her sister as well. But that was them fighting over the gun. But Angel actually killed somebody. Jazz, you just basically calling hitmen. Like you put put hits out on people, but you ain't doing nothing. And also... Angel, like, she kind of feels bad for her because even if we go back all the way back to book number one, she said when Fahim is upset, he scolds her like a child or punishes her like a child. And it's like, that is true. So their relationship is toxic in that way because it's just like, you don't get to talk to me or stop talking to me and just like basically put me on punishment because I don't do something that you want me to or I I actually do do something that you don't like and so when he comes home he tells her you know you're you're not as slick as you think you are like I know everything that you were planning on doing and oh but no even before we got there because Kaylin asked her he's like you know what am I supposed to say to him? And she's like, you know, you're the voice of reason. You can calm him down. And I'm just like, how did that roll? And this is where like writing comes in, I guess. Because from the first first book and the second book, Fahim was like the big brother. He was the voice of reason. He had all the wisdom. But because Jazz feels like she's in trouble, now Kaylin is like the wise one. And he's known to calm everybody down and have sense or whatever. And before the police came, Fahim told her that if he found out she did anything to Oni, he was leaving her. But when he comes home, you know, he gives her a hug and a kiss and he's like, what's for dinner? And that throws her off guard because she is waiting for him to basically explode on her. And this is where he tells her, you know, um, that was him making all the moves with Snail and, uh, his other cousin rock you know they were doing what he told them to do not her and i was wondering like how did this work out in her head that they wouldn't call him and tell him like you know your wife just called me asking me to take somebody out like they're not just gonna not tell him because what she offered them money it's like girl i get money with my cousin your money is his money so it's just like you're not offering me nothing i'm not already getting and you know 
So it's just like, he's not upset because he already knew what was going on. Tasha and Trina are going to Vegas to celebrate Stefan's birthday. You know, he loved Vegas. That was a city he loved. So they're going to celebrate his memory on his birthday. And Karan, uh, not Karan, Trey told Tasha, like, he had his own business business to take care of. So he left. And he said, when I come back, your ass better be in this house. You better not be in Vegas. Of course, she wasn't going to listen. But while she's there, you know, like, she's taking a shower, having a little mini spa moment going on. And she thinks it's Trina coming through the door when it's actually Karan. And she's like, you know, you need to leave right now. And he tells her, I'm not leaving until you have a drink with me. And she's just like, okay, one drink and that's it. And she tells him, you know, you ruined my life. And it's like, no, sis, you ruined your own life. Take, we taking accountability for our actions now. You can't just put it all on him. It was not just him. It was you too. And he put something in her drink and rapes her. Because the scene, like the way the author wrote it out, you know, she's talking stuff, making it seem like she's she's enjoying it, but she is out of her mind. She doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, Trey follows them to Vegas or follows Tasha to Vegas because he ain't worried about Trina. And he sees Trina like down in the lobby and makes her take him to their room. And he finds Tasha curled up in the corner you know, just she's looking crazy. Her head's, her hair is all over her head and she's naked. And he's like, you know, what is going on? And she sees him and she's like, Trey, you have to keep loving me. Please keep loving me. I told him, no, I didn't want to do it. I told him no. And so Trey calls the police and reports the rape because he gets like what's going on. And of course, once again, Trina set her up, letting Kendrick know that they were going to Vegas so of course Kendrick and Karan are tight so he's gonna tell him and she had been hanging out with Kendrick while she gave Karan keys to their room and let him in so you know while she was hanging out and gambling she called Kendrick like you know is Karan still in the room with Tasha he's like no you know, I don't think so. So when she makes it back to the room, she's hoping that Tasha and Trey are making up so she doesn't have to deal with the situation of her once again setting her sister up. But she sees the EMT and the police and she runs to the room like, what happened? And Trey is looking at her and when he's sure that nobody's looking, he mouths the words, you're going to pay. Because he knew it was her. It's like, once again... And he was right, because when he told Tasha, you know, don't talk to her no more, don't have her come over, she's troubled, because it's like, after you try to set boundaries of being done with him, Trina was there on multiple occasions of getting them two together when it wasn't none of her business, and she just should have stayed out of it. But also, Tasha could have avoided some of those things, too. So when Trey and Tasha returned from Vegas... You know, she's still shaking up about the whole thing. But there are police cars waiting for them. And Trey knows what it is. And she's like, no, don't leave me. And he's like, you know, because of your actions, 
that protection was taken away from me. So all of those charges came right back. And they arrest him. And, you know, it's just hard on her. Because it's just like, I just had to deal with being raped. And now my husband is gone. And I'm here with these three kids on my own again. So Kira finally asks Trey about Marvin when she tags along on a visit with Tasha. And, you know, she just asks him, did you kill him? And Trey looking at her like, girl... Like, do you know where I'm at? I'm in jail. They say it's like a country club jail. That's where he was transferred to out of the county jail. And he's like, you know, no. By the time I already got there, somebody had got to him. And he makes her realize that she was falling out of love with Marvin because she had fallen in love with DKD. So that's why she's not really worried about Marvin. And their relationship had just grown old. It's like you basically grew up with him in these, what, short amount of years? Because how old are they? Like they're not even 30 yet and they're going through all this drama. Tasha is pregnant again, but she doesn't know whose baby it is again, which is not true. Because with this baby, she's like sick. She has a lot of morning sickness, which she says has been the case with every single baby that she's had by Trey. And the last time she was pregnant, she didn't have any of those problems. So she's believing that that last baby was Karan's, but this one could be Trey's, but she really doesn't know. Angel and Kaylin are leaving their office for the day when three men in janitor uniforms with guns approached them. They tell Angel, you know, she can leave. They just want Kaylin. And he tries to make her leave, but she refuses. She's like, you know, I'm not leaving your side. And tells them to, like, y'all just gonna have to take both of us because I'm not leaving. And so when she refuses to leave, they take both of them. They, uh, Angel fought one of the guys. And so that made Kaylin fight. And then they got the best of both of them. And they put... Kaylin in the back seat, and then they put Angel in the trunk. Little E was supposed to be at a recording session, but she was late. So when she makes it there, she sees them being put in the car, and she follows them. She calls the police on the way, and they tell her, ma'am, stop following them. We have it from here, because she has the license plate number, and she gives it to them. But she's like, no, because what if y'all there too late? So she follows them the whole time. Karan is behind this. Like, Kaylin managed to get some information out of one of the guys who just don't know how to shut his mouth. Plus, he calls Karan while they're in the car. Like, you know, we got him. It's good. Whatever, whatever. Like, he didn't say no names and he didn't have it on speaker. But it's just, like, obvious. And then Kaylin is just like, well, let me talk to my brother. And the guy tells him too late for that. So, the other guy is like, dummy. Shut up, but it's it's a known fact now. And Kaylin already had that hunch because he's like, you know, I've been legit for a while. I ain't got no problems with nobody, so it's only one person this can be. And they take him to well them, take them to a graveyard, and then they show him the tombstone that says betrayal is worse than slaughter. And Kaylin's hands are tied behind his back. And the guys throw him and Angel into a coffin. 
And when they put the lid on and then they start putting dirt on top of them. So they plan on burying them alive. That's what Quran wanted. And they have to stop when they hear sirens and they get in the car and leave. So Angel and Kaylin are rescued only because Lil E was late. So it's like, girl, thank God you was late because otherwise we wouldn't be here to tell the story. Tasha goes to visit Trey, but their lawyer is there. And he's like, you know, Tasha, what you doing here? She's like, I'm here for my visit. What you mean? And he's like, oh, you, you ain't heard yet. Trey done killed somebody else. And it's just like, are you serious? How you got time to be killing people when you already arrested for murder? And so he was moved to a county jail. Kaylin goes to Karan, you know, they go out to eat, they have drinks, and Karan, thinking that Kaylin is asleep, pulls over to the side of the road so he can go to the bathroom. Kaylin walks up behind him and puts a gun to his head, and Karan is just like, damn, I got caught slipping. And Kaylin throws his words back at him that betrayal is worse than slaughter, and he kills him. Trina was also killed. They, uh, there was video of her running through the streets set on fire. And, you know, like they couldn't save her when they got her to the hospital. And we find out that Kendrick did it in retaliation for Karan. Because he's, you know, like the family swears that Trey killed Karan. But it's like he actually couldn't because he was in jail. So they think like, you know, even if you didn't do it, you set it up for it to happen. And Kendrick had came with Kaylin to the jail visit for Trey to tell him like, you know, I did something back in retaliation to that. But it's just like, if you know the relationship, you know, Trey don't care about Trina anyway. She was on that fast track life of being dead anyway so it's just like i don't care about her you didn't kill anybody close to me if anything i would have thought that would have messed you up because you was the one that was kicking it with her tasha had a dna test done and it's trey's baby because you know she's starting to show and so when she came for a visit he like what what's going on here and he couldn't get too happy at first, because she's like, you know, we're having a baby. We're finally having our girl. And Trey said, who is we, Tasha? And it's just like, damn. And she had to tell him, like, us, fool. I had the DNA test, which is so crazy. Because the last time she was swearing hard again, I'm not getting no DNA test. That could hurt the baby. But now you got it done with no problem. Which... I guess it wouldn't be a problem because it's just like, damn, am I having my rapist baby or am I having my husband's baby? Which, thankfully, is her husband's baby. And everyone is moving back to New Jersey or is making plans to do so. Like, Kaylin, well, they already live there. I meant Fahim and Jazz. Because when she first put the hit out on, or quote-unquote put the hit out on Steel... Fahim was telling her, you know, we got to pack it up. We can't stay here. It ain't safe, so pack it up. And she chose to go back to New Jersey. And Tasha and all the kids are staying with Kaylin and Angel for the for the time being. Kaylin goes to California, and he's having a meeting 
with Papa Charles and he shows him videos of him taking meetings of taking over a bank and then he's walking through a drug plan. Papa Charles like, so what? That don't mean nothing. I could easily, you know, explain that away or get rid of that. And Caitlin shows him a piece of paper that has a formula on it. And Papa Charles snapped. He's like, how did you get that? You're not supposed to have that. That's mine. And Caitlin is just like, don't worry about how I got it. Just know that if anything happens to me or happens to Trey, you know, this is going to get out. So he tells them that nine different people have the videos and this formula so if they don't hear from him at any time all that information is being released and what he wants is for trey to be left alone and to be released and also give them 20 million a piece like he promised that could happen in three years so papa charles like he has no choice but to agree but he tells them that they have to stay out of California. And if they ever come back, the deal is off. All right, my beautiful people. So that concludes the Thug series. Because like I said, I will not be reviewing part seven. Because first of all, I don't have the book. If somebody gifts it to me, maybe I'll read it and decide to do a review. But it's just like... I feel like it's been dragged on for too long and with this series I feel like Wahida is trying to introduce other characters and keep it going as long as possible and I'm over it because let's see I'm gonna read the uh little synopsis for book seven. Trey and Tasha fight to hold on to what they have after he's released from prison but when Trey is given a package con containing some damaging information regarding Tasha, is there any hope of salvaging the relationship? And it's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Is that all I can think of is when Karan drugged her. Is there video of it to make it seem like she was enjoying it and now he doesn't believe his wife? And why is it now that it's, Every time it's Trey's turn to have to deal with something and get through something, it's so much worse than whatever Tasha does. And I just be, I be over it. And Kira has to decide who she chooses, her unborn baby or Rick. And that was another thing because I was just like, after that last time of her telling him that she's pregnant, we don't hear anything else from Kira. And it's just like, how much more can this be dragged out? Like, sis, he left not once, but twice. And then he also told you that it wasn't a good time. He said, not right now. Now is not the best time. And it's like, why? Because your fiance is also pregnant. And the fact that that's your fiance and then me having this baby would prove that you cheated on me or cheated on her. Because that was the thing. He told his fiance that it wasn't what she thought it was. Like, nigga, I saw y'all on the porch. I'm not stupid. But anyway, back to the synopsis. And so it says, Kira has to decide who she will choose. Her unborn baby or Rick. The man she loves, but who is in another relationship. He's not just in another relationship. He's in love with someone else. Let's call it what it is. Because it's just like... Girl, I thought you was dead. Like, I love you. Yes, I love you. And it's so great that you are not dead. But when I thought you were dead, 
I've moved on and I got somebody else. And it says, can Rick break his two women out of their Western civilization mindset in order to become one big happy family? So this sounds like polygamy or however you say it, whichever form of it, it is not to be disrespectful. And I would like to hear about that, but I'm never one for trying to force people or change their mind into these situations. So if you heard my review on Sheree Lewis's The Black Effect, that's my problem with that. Like trying so hard to force someone into your lifestyle because you really want them. But if that's not something they want, it's never going to work out. Who is the mysterious Lolita who suddenly shows up at a baby shower? And what is her connection to Don Carlos? And it's like, yeah, we've heard about Don Carlos since book two and on. But we don't need him to become a major player in these stories. You know, like he's always played the background. And when they need something, that's who they go talk to. But and then who is Lolita? We don't, it's book seven. Do we really need to be introduced to another character? Like I didn't need Nina in this last book. I don't care about her. I don't care about the uh, nuptials that's coming up. And I don't care about her being pregnant when she already got three kids. So now that's four kids. Like nobody cares about this. Is she trying to set them up? Angel has to pledge her love to Kaylin once again. And it's like, why? Why does she have to? It's like the last time they left off, they was in a good space. Angel was possibly pregnant again, so they was on baby two. And everything was good. Why does she have to pledge her love to him again? While Jazz and Fahim try to start all over while mourning the loss of his murdered son. I thought they was doing that already. It's like they done got through the killing of Steel and Oni. And everything was supposed to be good so how are they trying to move on or start all over? I thought they were already doing that. Will the couples be able to protect their marriages? Trouble is brewing at the baby shower where the outcome could very well be a toe tag or a jail cell. Will the brothers get down for whatever when it comes to protecting their family? And it's just like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I just don't. Like at this point, I don't care. And... Um, like I've said a few times in reviewing these books when I was younger, I loved this ghetto shit. It sounded like fun, but now I'm damn near 30 and it's, it's over. It don't sound good. It sound a mess. And it's just like how much drama, like I said before, can one couple go through? Cause it's just like everywhere you turn, it's something else. And I would never want that type of life. Cause it's like, they can't never just settle and be happy or just be normal but of course they're thugs you're not gonna get normal with thugs i guess that's the whole point and like i said i've grown up so i don't want that no more but anyway that is the end of this series and i will see you guys tomorrow with a brand new book i don't really know which one it is so i'm not gonna tell y'all because every time i do that then i go to something else so peace and blessings